Welcome to Only Murders in My Mind, a Random Thought production. Hi, I'm Carol Bissett, a crime writer, and I invite you with my co-presenters, Liz Hedgecock and Mike Jackson, each week to our conversations on all things murderous. Welcome everybody to Only Murders in My Mind, episode five, and can I uh, thank Liz Hedgecock and Mike Jackson for joining me again for a lively discussion on all things murderous. Uh, can I thank you all for listening? We've been really thrilled to bits with the numbers of people that are listening. And if you would like to share or like or subscribe, it's completely up to you. But we'd like you to listen. That's what the real uh, reason we do this for is. Now, today's topic is a new cosy. So here we're talking about the cosy murder mystery genre. A uh, bit of a Marmite subject. It's something perhaps you love or you hate. Uh, personally, I really, really love them. Um, we're talking about things like the Thursday Murder Club, Death in Paradise, uh, Midsummer Murders, that sort of thing. And again, we're going to talk about this and uh, discuss some writers uh, and get our two uh, co-presenters to read some of the um, books out um, because they both write this sort of thing. Okay, Mike, what do you, what we're going to try and define what a cosy murder mystery is? What it what is it in your um, opinion? Whenever anybody says cosy murder mystery, I automatically think of Midsummer Murders, where people seem to. I mean, it's the sort of place you wouldn't want to live anywhere near. Because it's people, so pretty. Yeah, people get knocked off you know, on a regular basis, mm. um, but they always get killed in a very sort of most humane way. You know, you, you don't ever see any blood. Um, it's all very sort of gentle, and uh, the the end result um, is also sort of plausible. <laughs> Sometimes you do wonder how they've got to the conclusion they get to. Yeah. But but that's what I see as cosy mystery. Yeah. Um, and not something I necessarily read a lot of either. No. So mm. you're not liking the Marmite. Well, not so much that because what I did, I, I did some quick uh, check on uh, Google before we were going to record this uh, episode. Ooh, he's researched and researched, oh. and um, I said, you know. What are some modern cosy murder mystery stories? And one or two came up, which I hadn't thought of as cosy murder mysteries, but they are. And I've actually read them and they were very good. So what came up? Well, what came up, um, the first one that came up was The Appeal by somebody called Janice Hallett. Yes, I've heard a lot about this. Haven't read it, I have to say. Fascinating book because the whole thing uh, is around a group of uh, amateur amateur dramatic society people within the amateur dramatic society but uh, the whole text is written in emails that these people have sent to each other mm. and slowly but surely you get to know the different characters and you also get to the point where you realize there has been a murder and in a way you're asked as the reader to use these emails that people have sent to one another to try to work out who did it so they give you the opportunity to be the detective by giving you clues. In a way, yes. The, the, the clues are within the um, the email messages. Um, and also sometimes there are notes uh, to go with the email messages. And the idea is you try to work it out. 
I didn't get anywhere near it, but it all made sense when it was explained at the end. Yeah, fascinating mm-hmm. uh, premise. A really good read. That, that's yeah. a, that's a novel way of uh, writing, mm. isn't it? Really. Mm, yes, and I suppose when you were saying you hadn't realised it was a cosy, I'm thinking I hadn't exactly realised it was, but thinking about the cover of it, mm. yeah, it's got that kind of very new cosy cover yeah. because Richard Osman's books, when they came out, they looked different from the other books on the market and the result of that is that now you have lots and lots of books with a white or cream cover yeah a colored border yeah yeah very strong lettering a small image you know maybe an accent color of some kind yeah and i'm guilty of this myself so i think richard osman has actually complained about people who he he says you know have copied the covers but i know exactly you're a trendsetter richard what can we say i i've just i've just started reading uh rob rinder or judge rinder as many people know him as uh, the trial Mm -hmm. which again would come under that cozy murder mystery Mm -hmm. and you would look at the cover of that book and you wouldn't you know you you could be not mistaken to sit think it's a richard osman book because the cover Mm. is so so similar yeah 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 i've seen a few writers um and i've gone oh there's an Osman book and it's not, you know, because I have read them all and I, and I thought I'd know if there was another one out there, you know. Mm. Yeah, I you'd have heard them. about yeah. it, I think. Yeah, yeah they wouldn't yeah. be hiding it under a bushel. I, I, I've read them all and I've really enjoyed them. Um, I, yeah, as, as I say, a lot of people don't like his books, but he's laughing all the way to the bank and good luck to him. That's all mm. I can say. I've read them and enjoyed I haven't read The Last Devil to Die yet, but I've read the others. Do you think they'll make it into a series? Is it asking to be made? I'm into sure. A I'm sure it will be. I, I mean, it's so popular. Think yeah. of how many people would watch it. Have you read them, Mike? I started reading. What's the first one called? The Thursday the Murder Thursday Club. Murder Club. Yeah. Um, and, and I couldn't really get into it. But to be honest, I think I need to go and give it another go, because funny enough, I, I'm enjoying the Rob Rinder one, mm. and, and that's not a million miles away from what I think the Murder Mystery yeah. Club is, uh, idea is. Correct me if I'm wrong. Are they in present tense? Mm, I think mm. I think so. Yeah, because some people don't like that. Mm. Yeah, I think true. present tense is one of those things. Again, it's a bit marmite. People either, yeah, oh yeah, I love books in present tense. Oh no, I wouldn't touch them. So I don't mind personally. No. I think my problem might be, if I'm not mistaken, because mm. I, I I said before I listen to more books than I read mm-hmm. nowadays, and I think with the Thursday Murder Club, I might have started listening to the audio book, and sometimes you can get put off a book. Um, by the narration. Mm. That's very true, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and that might be something I need to go and have a look at. As I, yes, you know. yeah. that's something we maybe need to pick up in the technology episode when we get yes. there. Yes, yeah, mm. just how important narration is. Yes, yeah. definitely. Um, I, I, no spoilers, uh, but I will say that the, the last one, which was called what? The Devil... The Last it? Devil to Die. Thank you. Yeah. Did make me cry, but that's all I'm oh. saying. It oh, did no. make me cry. Yeah. Oh, no. um, Another one I discovered too, which mm. again I wouldn't have necessarily put under cozy mystery, murder mm. mystery, but it does fit into that category. Uh, Magpie Murders oh, by yeah. mm-hmm. Anthony Horowitz. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Yeah, uh, well, made, that was a television series. I didn't read the book. I've read the books and I've, and I've seen the television series. And yeah. I enjoyed them mm. both. Yeah, because you've got past and present walking to it side by side. Yes, it's, it's like two mysteries in one. Um, very cleverly written. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I did enjoy them. 
I, I must admit. Um, one of my favourites um, is um, Only Murders in the Building. Yay! Uh, Mike, you, you're not into this one yet, are you? I'm not, no. I think I've seen one episode. Oh, so. he's too busy writing it his novella. It just gets better. <laughs> yeah, how is the novella, Mike? Well, the... <laughs> For those who may not have listened to previous episodes, I did... Surely everyone's ooh, heard the previous episodes. I would have thought so, but very foolishly, <laughs> I think, in episode one or two, um, I did promise I was going to write a novella. Yeah. But fortunately, I didn't say when. <laughs> so how... Progress? Progress, progress is slow. <laughs> See, this is where we need to be, like, cross-examining how slow, Mike. Uh, yes. <laughs> Let's just say I've been doing so much research for the podcast that I've not had time to really get into my novella. Mm. That's a good get out. Maybe we should ask for listeners' suggestions. Yes. Yes, Definitely. We think we should include a horse, an umbrella, and a lime. (laughs) If if there's any ghost writers out there who want to write it for me, please let me know. (laughs) Well, after the last episode. Oh, yes. Mm. Uh, yeah, so uh, Only Murders in the Building. Um, I absolutely love this series. Mm. Um, again, it's probably a Marmite thing. And the premise is that uh, three sleuths get together to solve a murder that's happened in their beautiful building of apartments. Yeah. Is it the Arconia? It is the Arconia. And they, basically they, they, they're amateurs. They're people who love crime stuff they you know they follow true crime podcasts all of that sort of thing so there's steve martin martin short and selena gomez in yeah. it so. and, and, and they're all um the two male um characters are uh having a bad time with their careers one's a producer mm. and one's an actor and the female character is um doing up her well she's living in her auntie's flat we later find out later mm. on. i think it's an apartment it's nothing it is so a, prosaic oh, as a no, flat no, no it is an apartment yeah i, th- I think it's uh, dead man's shoes i think somebody has to die in this place before which is why there's only murders in the building, building. You see. well the other reason why there's only murders in the building is because um steve martin and martin short are getting on in years and they've decided they want to do a podcast but obviously they don't want to go too far because you know early bed that sort of thing you know, yeah maybe not walking so well so they decide it's going to be only murders in the building so they can cope with that one mm. yeah so as i say I, I really enjoyed that i hope i think there's going to be another series because what they do they tend to end each series with somebody dead <laughs> and they did it again. well another person dead another, another person dead At in the building mm. yeah, yeah. Um, yes but yeah the third the third series is my favourite with yes. Meryl Streep oh yeah she's brilliant in it isn't she mm. that, that stupid musical oh I love the musical <laughs> it does sound to me it's a sort of building that's a bit like Midsummer. it's not a not a nice place to be living in mm. um, as there are too many murders I mean I suppose Unless you get to the point where they're the only three left in the building, because that could be really problematic. Yes, yeah. But yeah, yeah it's the feel of it, isn't it? Yes, and and I say the it's when you see the building and the apartment. The apartments are oh, so nice. It's also yeah. plush. And, and at one point, Sting's got the uh, the suite upstairs. He's got the yes. Uh, what's it called? Is it the penthouse? He's got the penthouse suite. Yeah, mm. so he he's in it, and there's there's. A lot of famous people popping in and out of this, doing um, uh, yeah. little, little parts in it. So. Yeah, and the other thing about it is, I mean, the the jobs as well. I mean, you know, an actor, um, a theatrical producer, Mabel's a sort of artist, I she think. She is, yeah. And it's those sort of 
you know, not very jobby. I mean, no one's a welder no. or anything like that, no, you know, or an accountant. They it's... come from rich backgrounds and they're all very creative, aren't mm. they, in, in their uh, what they what they do. So, yes, mm. I, I, I really like that. Do you find that with this cosy genre, mm. you almost have to suspend belief sometimes because <laughs> so many of the clues and so many of the murders and so many of the situations where the murders happen, are just sort of unbelievable. I'm thinking in particular of um, Death in Paradise. Mm, yes. And you think to yourself, no, 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 that that wouldn't have happened or that couldn't have happened or what are those people doing on that island in the first place? Yeah. Mm, but it's kind of escapist, isn't it? It is, yeah. yes. But it's also, you know, I was saying about the jobs there, it's like um, cosy categories on Amazon. There, there's it, You can divide them into three. Um, there's crafts and hobbies cosies, so... Our protagonist, it's almost always a, a female protagonist, has a, I don't know, a cake shop, a mobile library, mm. something like that. You know, she has a pottery cafe. Um, you or have a culinary play, a ones. Play group? Uh, ooh, yeah, <laughs> couldn't possibly comment. So there's culinary ones with, you know, cake shops and coffee shops and all of that sort of thing. And then there's animal ones. Oh, right, yeah. So, you yeah, know, we, talking cats, I paranormal. Say, you've got some nice cats in one of yours. Oh. I really like those cats. Well, I like cats. You've only got so, to put yeah. cats. See, I've got a cat, and I, I keep hoping this cat will come sit on my knee so I can have some photographs done for, for this podcast. But she hates me. So <laughs> that's never likely to happen. If, if, if I get her on, she'll be on my shoulder trying to claw her way off. So that's your cat comes and sits on your knee. Yeah, when we Luna, used to do Luna's good like yeah, that. She yeah, she was yeah. great. Oh yeah, I was talking to my um, co-conspirator earlier, and she came and joined the call for a bit. Yes, so, yes. that's what I mean. Mm. But you, see, you need a friendly cat to get to. See, I'd, I'd bring thing. Luna, but she hates cars. So. <laughs> <laughs> She'd be in the right mood when she got here. <laughs> um, I know uh, Liz has written um, a couple of series. Um, how many would you say now, Cozy Mystery? I'm thinking oh. three, maybe? Um, no, more than that. I'll I'll just, I was I'll just thinking some of it, not that many. Some, some go into a different genre, though, don't they? Mm. This is what I'm trying to, to, to um, figure out. No, you, you carry on discussing my work. I'm not <laughs> I'll just do a whistle for a bit. Um, well, there's, there's a Pippa Parker, yes. which I did set out to write as a Cozy series. Yes, that was the, that was my, they were my first books that I read of yours. That's the Ur Cozy. <laughs> What a thought. Um, there's the magical bookshop, which is yes. distinctly cosy. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's there's not even much death in it. Um, so yeah, you might say it's even too cosy to be cosy. Um, <laughs> but it's got a bookshop in it, so you know, it's definitely like crafts and hobbies. Um, and then there's Booker and Fitch. Yes. Which I would kind of rank as cosy would, because well, again, not too much blood and yeah. you know, magic shop, bookshop, you know, sleepy town, although a surprising amount of murder for such a sleepy town um and also um stop the press uh paula and i are thinking about working on something a bit paranormal next oh, year oh, that'll be interesting mm. we'll be hearing more about that i hope in the oh, future well you know when, when we have more detail you'll probably be the first to hear it but it's very much you know it's in the back of an envelope stage. at the moment right, so yes yeah, yeah I, i'm I'm on my uh, fourth book of the Warranted Detective series and um, I have got this idea in my head to do um, a cosy murder mystery um, when I finish this book. See, Just it's catching. 
just to see whether I can do it, whether it, um, it flows. I might get into chapter two and go, no, this isn't working. And that'll be another chapter consigned to my lots of chapter ones and twos that I've got on my computer. But I, I don't know, because I'm quite um, invested in the uh, Morrington Detective series now. So I, I do like writing that. I think it's one of the things that might come as a spin-off of what we're doing now in terms of this podcast. Mm-hmm is that it might push us down a road of um, cosy murder mystery. I, I'm thinking of writing, apart from the novella, of course, uh, yeah. my other thought is to write a, another book of short stories, maybe 100-word stories, which are all murder mystery yeah. linked. Ooh. Yeah. I, I think that's it. I think, um, I mean, we all go to a, a local writer's group, don't we, Mike? We do. And um, you do bounce ideas off each other. And uh, as I say, it's um, sometimes you think, oh, I'd like I'd like to try that. The, the current book I'm writing, uh, we had a lady that came to our writers group and started talking about a church and bodies being found. And that's what sparked mm. the idea for this latest Warranted Detective book. So you just never know where you're going to get the ideas from. You know, it could yeah. be, you could be uh, listening to somebody on the bus or in a coffee shop. Mike. Coffee shops are my favourite place to go and write. Mm. Um, and it's amazing just what conversations you can sometimes... And you don't need to hear the whole conversation. In fact, it's much better if you just hear a snippet of the conversation, conversation because you can then fill in the blanks, Yeah, which is much more fun. Mm. Yeah, I, w- I was going through um, one of the markets in um, London once. I go to London quite a lot and heard a snippet of a conversation between a stall holder and somebody on the other side, which I think she was also a stall holder from another stall, and she had hold of her hand. She was saying, I just don't know what to say. This is terrible news. And my husband was dragging me off, going, it's got nothing to do with you. Come on. And I'm oh, like, I know. How could, I want to know now. I know. Oh. I often wonder what, what happened there. Well, make it up. Mm. <laughs> Can I say, going back to, you know, we were asking you about Cozy, and you said you didn't think you did. And he didn't think it was your sort of thing. And then you found that actually you have read a lot of or quite a few books that are categorised as cosy. Why why do you think that is that some people go, oh, no, I'd never read a cosy? You know, what is a cosy mystery? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think a lot of people, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think a lot of people, if you say cosy murder mystery, mm. their immediate fallback is Midsummer Murders or Death in Paradise. Mm. And uh, while they might see that as light entertainment on the television, which you can sort of partly switch off from, mm-hmm. um, they might not necessarily want to invest time in reading a book along those lines. Mm-hmm. But of course, cosy murder mystery, as we already have already said, is much more than uh, what we see on the television. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think Liz was right as well. It's escapism because mm-hmm. a lot of these um, cosy murder mysteries are set in really nice places. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my, my husband isn't a great um, sort of cosy murder mystery fan, but he loves Death in Paradise because the it's lovely beaches, the sea, mm. you know, everybody's dressed in bright colours and it just lifts you a little bit yeah. and then yeah. somebody gets killed. I'm just going to mention <laughs> um, Knives Out and oh, Glass yes. Onion here yeah. for the location. Oh, and, what? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, in, in Knives Out, I like the was it a little old great granny. That sat oh, in the window. Yes. <laughs> Although, fun fact, she was younger than Christopher Plummer, oh. who was meant to be her son. Makeup. 
<laughs> Makeup's really good. Yeah, no, that Indeed. was uh, that made me. And again, you see, it was it was a sort of um, it was a film. Mm. They made both of them into like um, net, were they Netflix films? It doesn't really matter. I think Knives Out was on Netflix because yeah. of when it got released. Obviously, yes. I went to see Glass Onion at the cinema, which was great. I went to see. Uh, you're right. I we went, went to, to a posh cinema, so we felt properly like we were there in the mansion. I, I saw the first one at the cinema. I go to the cinema a lot. I'd forgotten I did see that at the cinema. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it did make me uh, chuckle in a lot of places. Yes. You know, it was, it's very uh, Agatha Christie type, isn't it? Yes. I think that's that's where we're, we're coming from with yes. that one. Although and the that... thing I really liked about the first one is it starts off very, you know, right, we're going to interview the subjects and mm-hmm. we're going to see where it's all. And then it just takes off in the middle of the film and you're like, hang on, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. We thought we knew where we were with this and now yeah. it's completely different. Yeah, shoots fact, off. That's somebody we've not mentioned because Hercule Poirot, for example, mm-hmm. they're all cosy murder mysteries, aren't they? Oh, are you, they? You don't see a lot of blood, you know, mm, that gunshot true. or somebody being poisoned. Um, mm. You know, you're not drawn into a situation where there's gore and blood everywhere. Mm. And one of the things that... Strikes... Certainly, yeah, mature sleuth, not yes. currently in the police, okay. yeah. And one of the things that... Um, I just as we were talking, I was thinking about mm. that death in paradise. At the end, they get all the people together, and the detective explains who's done the murder and how it's done, mm. which is exactly what uh, Hercule Poirot does. Mm-hmm. He gets everybody together, and it's ex- explained to the listener, yeah. to the reader, to the viewer all the how threads. it happens. Mm. So. I was—I don't know whether I'm right here, but I was speculating the other day that Quincy was a Ooh. the first pathologist led drama mm-hmm. and he always did all the answered all the questions within about five minutes at the end because yeah. he spoke very fast you know <laughs> and he, he'd be going and they and he did the murder but he couldn't have done it because he wasn't in the room and i've got this and i've got that and you, you sat there and you're being bombarded <laughs> with information but that was very very popular you're making it sound like the ending of clue you know when tim curry's running all over the place (laughs) (laughs) i wonder where they got that from (laughs) Ooh, i couldn't possibly comment but that that was a a series that went on for a long time and as far as i know it was the first one that was led by a pathologist and we you know Mm. we've got um waking the dead and things like that now and um, what's the one that's silent witness which a lot of people say is you know it's past its best you know I, i still watch it I like the pathology side of it, you see, mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah. Now, I'm going to ask Liz, because um, I know that she's got something to read from one of her cosy murder mysteries. Um, and again, this is, this had a little bit of uh, paranormal in it as you, mm-hmm. as you got into it. Uh, so it's sort of got a, a foot on both sides of the stream here, so to mm-hmm. speak. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed these books uh, and I think part of that was the cat element. Is, is, have we got a cat element in this bit? There is a cat element, oh, yes. Right. Go okay, for it, Liz. right. Oh. <laughs> the pressure. Okay, so this is from near the beginning of the first book in the Magical Bookshop series. So, yes, straddling here, cosy, because got a bookshop and also the magical elements, so a bit of paranormal. Um, and this bookshop is, frankly, rubbish. Um, in the blurb I wrote, it's the second worst second-hand bookshop in London. So it doesn't even have the distinction of being the worst one. That's how you know shoddy it is at the beginning of the story. Our protagonist um, is a very keen young woman called Gemma James. And unfortunately, Gemma's just been fired from her job for reasons which 
yeah, it's it's nothing personal, I think, is the first line of the book. Um, so, yeah, she is smarting at the injustice of it. She's been let go. And she's basically gone for a walk to try and take in what's happened to her. And she happens upon a bookshop. So here we go. Then she noticed a little shop set back from the rest, like a shy person at a party. I should say she's on Charing Cross Road at this point. She looked up at the sign. Burns Books, it said, in faded gold on navy. Second-hand booksellers. Burns Books, Gemma said and laughed. What's a silly name for a bookshop? In the window were a box set of The Lord of the Rings, a dusty collection of Dickens, and a row of Poldark novels labelled Two Missing. It wasn't so much a display as an apology. Gemma opened the door and went in. A bell above her head jangled and a man reading 2000 AD jumped and hastily put it down on the counter. Hello, he said, frowning. What do you want? You're not from the council, are you? He pushed a hand through his sandy hair. No, said Gemma. Would it matter if I was? Sometimes they try and sneak in undercover, said the man. It's to do with business rates. His eyes narrowed. Don't tell me you're from the Retail Association. Still a no, said Gemma. I just wanted to come in and look at books. She took a step towards the shelves, but the man unfolded himself from behind the counter and intercepted her. Why are you dressed like that then? he asked, eyeing her suit and heels. Gemma eyed him back. I could ask you the same question. He was wearing blue and green tartan trousers, a thick bottle green velvet waistcoat incredibly unsuitable for the weather, a dress shirt with a pleated front and a gold lame bow tie. I'll dress how I like, thank you very much, the man replied with dignity. Which books do you wish to look at? He said this as if expecting her to back down and admit defeat. Novels, declared Gemma, nose in the air. I like novels. The fiction section starts there, he said, jerking a thumb at it and retreated behind the counter. Gemma approached the shelves, trying to remember the last book she'd read. She liked reading, loved reading, in fact, but somehow, those evenings working late or getting merry with her friend Em, and the weekends doing a little bit of extra work to stay ahead, really cut into her reading time. She scanned the shelves for something impressive, something which would show this snooty bookseller that she wasn't an illiterate fool who had stumbled into a bookshop by accident. Tolstoy, that should do it. Her hand stretched towards Anna Karenina on the bottom shelf, but before she could grasp it, the book was obscured by a blur of marmalade fur. Yellow eyes glared at her. The cat sat down right in front of the book, then without ceremony began to clean its bottom. Um, excuse me, Gemma called. There was no response and she had to call again. Yes, the man inquired. There's a cat in the way of a book I want to buy. Oh yes, that'll be folio. And the man returned to his comic. I don't think you understand, said Gemma. I need you to move the cat. The man stared at her over the top of his comic. I don't think Folio would like that. He's a cat, said Gemma. I'm a customer. Or at least I'd like to be a customer, but I'm finding it difficult. I know, the man cried, looking as pleased as if he had made an important discovery. I can make a note of the book you want and your name. When Folio moves, I'll put the book in a safe place and you can come back for it. Gemma stared at him. Or I could go to another bookshop. An unpleasant shiver ran down her spine. Really, the bookshop was remarkably cold and it smelt a bit damp. She straightened up and looked around her. It's like going back in time. The counter was dark wood, probably mahogany, and on it stood a huge brass cash register. The shelves were sagging pine. 
and the floor was wood in a herringbone pattern like in an old-fashioned school. There were no posters, no promotional materials, no recommendations. The only attractive thing in the bookshop was a red leather button-back armchair with a tapestry cushion. That looked warm and inviting. She took a step towards it and the cat, folio was it, dashed past her, leapt into the armchair and settled himself down. What a miserable dump. <laughs> and of course, Gemma's going to end up working there. It's, it's also worth noting that uh, Liz has got the first three of this series uh, on audio. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and I've listened to them. So They're very I. good. Great, great narration. Yeah. yeah. Charlie Sanderson did the narration and she's brilliant. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Yeah. So, I mean, it's uh, not easy for um, indie writers to go into audio, is it, Liz? Mm, it's, it's, it's expensive. Yeah. Mm. And that's something in our next episode that <laughs> I want to touch on. Yeah. Indeed. I'll just leave that as a teaser. Yeah. So, so when we were uh, talking about this episode, um, I, I said, knowing what Mike writes, I said, have you, have you got anything cosy, Mike, <laughs> that you can read? So he has brought something. I'd be interested to see what his version of cosy is. Uh, Carol actually said to me, have you got anything cuddly? <laughs> oh, did I? I? <laughs> I don't think I do cuddly. Um, so the best I can do is something that uh, nobody gets murdered in. That's about as close to cuddly as I can. Okay. <laughs> it's called The Unmentionable. Uh, what it is, is a dialogue-only story. I love writing dialogue-only stories because I can get the two characters in my head and I can almost hear what they're saying and what they're going to say to each other. So this is two lads having a conversation. I've done it, Billy. Done what, mate? You know, it. The thing we were talking about last week. I've only gone and done it. No idea what you're talking about, Jimmy. Yes, you do, Billy. It was that thing we were talking about after church last Sunday. You know, that thing that we weren't supposed to be talking about. The stuff your big brother <laughs> Freddie told you about. You know, the unmentionable thing. Oh, that. So you've really done it, have you? You've actually done it i really have took a bit of planning been thinking about it for a while then i thought to myself why not it can't be that complicated if your freddy's done it so i just made up my mind that i was going to do it how do i know you really did it i mean you could just be saying that to try to impress me what do you mean i'm telling you last night i did the unmentionable it's dead easy for you to say that but how do I know for sure? Where's your proof? Was anybody there to witness you doing it? Did anybody take notes to make sure you did it properly? Have you got any photos, maybe on your phone? Did you get someone to video and post it on YouTube? Course not, Billy. Don't be daft. I mean, it's not something that you're going to do in front of a crowd, is it? So how do I know you're telling the truth? Were you on your own? Course I wasn't on my own. You can't do it, you know, the unmentionable on your own, can you? It's just not possible, is it? So, who was with you then? Who did you do the unmentionable with? If I tell you, Billy, you've got to promise not to tell anyone and you're not to laugh either. Promise? Of course I won't laugh and I promise I won't tell anyone. So go on then. Who was with you when you did it? Mary Patterson. Mary Patterson, you must be joking. I mean, are you telling me you did it with Mary Patterson? I don't believe that. I couldn't help it. There was nobody else. Everybody asked just laughed at me and told me to get lost 
In the end, I had no choice and it had to be Mary Patterson. And she was quite happy to do it with you, was she? Well, sort of. I had to persuade her a bit. She only agreed if I promised to pay her. Pay her? You had to pay Mary Patterson how much? Five pounds. Five pounds? You paid ugly Mary Patterson out of class five, the one with greasy hair and spots, five pounds? You must be mad. Anyway, what was it like? Well, you know when we talked about it last week round the back of the bike shed, you said it wouldn't hurt. You told me your Freddy's done it loads of times and it never hurt him once. Well, that's not true. It did hurt. It can't have done. It did. I paid Mary my five pound and then stood there with my eyes shut, like what you told me to. Then Mary kissed me on the lips. It was horrible. Absolutely disgusting. So vile, in fact, that I pushed her away and she fell in the nettles. Anyway, she ran home and told her dad that I pushed her on purpose. He told my dad and my dad gave me a good hiding for hitting girls. I'm not doing the unmentionable thing again. No way. I'm telling you, Billy, kissing girls is expensive and painful. <laughs> does that fit under cuddle? <laughs> for you, yes, it does. I suppose so. Um, my co-presenters here keep saying, well, you've not read anything out, Carol. And, and so far, the things we've discussed, and my um, sort of crime boots don't really fit into um, the genre that we've been talking about. Uh, but I will read something out um, from them in future. I have written uh, sort of cosy stories. Mm. Um, they're, they're on Amazon. Uh, so they're sort of lighthearted stories about folks. Um, you can see them if you go onto Amazon and, and look for Carol Bissett. But uh, no, my... my um, my detective stories tend to be a bit more gritty. Mm. So we'll leave that for another day. I think we're just about done here. Has anybody else got any conclusions? Are we all okay? Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Fine. Okay. Great chat. Yes, yeah. thank you. Thank As you. Usual. Yeah, thank you yeah. both very much for being here today in our studio. Uh, next week, we're talking Has technology changed the way we consume crime? And as I've said, all the books that we've read from today are available on Amazon. You can visit the website, which gives us a rundown of what we've talked about today. Thank you for listening and don't go out without a whistle. You have been listening to Only Murders in My Mind, a Random Thought production produced by John Bissett. The music in peril was composed and recorded by OM Studio Strings. Thank you.